Well, hello, this is Gary, and you are listening to Thinking Out Loud. Today's podcast recorded on a Monday, in late September, September 26th. A day off for me, as well as tomorrow, for my main gig as a lion cook. Current main gig. I've had many over the years. You gotta do what you gotta do to survive in this world, and when you're a bit of a gypsy... Well, you just got to find what you can get. And so I've picked up 10,000 hours and a variety of different things. It's a grind in this country. So, you know, the only way to not be completely destitute is to have some kind of work, get some kind of income coming in. But, man, there's some there's organizations with a lot of power that just make it more difficult. And it seems to be their primary objective is to just make life more difficult for the people doing all the work. Like, can't have healthcare as a right or education as a right because, like, the wealthy need more money. And that's, like, what the equation is. That, like, that, that is what it is. You know, you can't have marginal tax rates because, like, that's socialism somehow, some way, even though it isn't. You know, that's just a fact. It's not socialism. Because you'd be... The extra tax on certain specific people would be only a very exclusive group making exorbitant amounts of money. And even after they pay said tax, they're still exorbitantly wealthy because they still get to retain a portion of the funds above a really big amount. There is no cap to how much one can earn. Therefore, not socialism, where there's basically a cap on earnings. However, a lot of the news stations are owned by big, massive corporate corporations, you know, multinational corporations, and so... They got to present information in a particular way, so that they can, you know, maintain their way of existing. You know, the, the corporate structure must be maintained. GDP must grow up, go up every year. You know, it has to be that way. But the organization that uh, is primarily concerned with uh, protecting the interests of the wealthy, they they took it pretty far over the last few years, and and man, they've been digging their heels in, just stubborn insistence on maintaining course, no matter what the nefarious connections they encounter and come across, they have a first and foremost objective of protecting the interest of the wealthy by any means necessary, and if it means dividing the populace, pitting the country against each other, they're more than willing to do that. The other option leaves a lot to be desired, but at least they have a decent percentage of the organization that are, you know, attempting to do things that would be foundational type investments, not safety net. It's not a safety net to have universal basic income hospitals and schools that people can use. That's not a safety net. That's a foundation that you can build off of. What can you build off of of? Well, it's wide open, isn't it? Are there more small businesses? Probably. Yeah. Do do some corporations start losing their relevance? Possibly. Yeah. Does quality of life go up? Well, yeah. So why is one organization supposedly protecting our interests refusing to go in that direction? It's very peculiar.
Why can't we have hospitals as a right? Again, what is the justification? Why is why are certain plants illegal? And you'll get gateway drug is their justification. Why is there still a war on cannabis to this day and other versions of concentrated plants? Because a racist white man from long ago wanted to have a legal reason to put a black woman in jail who had a drug problem, and he didn't like her. That's why the war on drugs started. So Republicans that say cannabis is a gateway drug, but what they are enforcing is a very particular ideology that started long, long, long ago, a sort of continuation of some of the mindset from the slavery era. There was human beings that believed that uh, they, they had the right to own other humans. Slavery was declared illegal, so those particular humans and the descendants of them, the de descendants of that ideology, found other ways to try to oppress people, and the war on drugs became a new way to do that. Yeah. Many people, including myself, do indeed receive benefit from cannabis. It is a fact. It's an inconvenient fact for those that, you know, are very much advocates for prohibition. It's a very inconvenient fact that a plant that's very cheap to grow offers a wide range of medicinal benefits to a wide range of people. Yeah. The Republican Party would prefer that you buy a drug with a wide variety of side effects from the pharmaceutical company that gave them a bunch of money. And if you don't go that route and instead choose cannabis, they would like you to go to jail. There's bail bondsmen that also like that too. Um, an ever steady supply of suspects of crimes um, keeps them in business. Yeah. So it becomes this sort of strange industry of sort of picking on certain people because it's a selectively enforced law. If you're wealthy and white, most likely you're not going to be arrested and thrown in jail for possession of cannabis. However, if you're poor and black, you will be, and possibly even for several years. Yeah. There are, of course, anecdotal exceptions, just to try to pretend that the law is constitutional. But the purpose of the war on drugs and the prohibition of cannabis is to incarcerate high numbers of minorities. We know that's its purpose because that is what it is. That is what it does. Cannabis does offer medicinal benefit to a wide range of people, including people with epilepsy, which is, I'm in that group. One in 72 people have epilepsy. Of those one in 72, two-thirds are of African descent. So, it begs the question, why is cannabis illegal? A, a plant that can help relieve symptoms from epilepsy? Well, I just told you. Two-thirds of the people with epilepsy, a condition that can be alleviated from cannabis, a condition that, you know, symptoms can be alleviated from use of cannabis. Two-thirds of those people are of African descent, so that's why cannabis is illegal. Yeah, there's also other conditions that people get relief and symptoms from, including PTSD, Parkinson's, ADHD, that kind of stuff. Yep, and even... Probably, you know, the people who are taking ADD, could they benefit from simply taking a certain type of plant that's a little bit more potent than caffeine? A concentrated version of that particular plant is called cocaine and has far harsher effects. But the plant 
is something the tribal peoples discovered years and years ago, centuries ago. And they found that it helped keep them very alert and focused for extended stretches of time. That's why it was used. But the Republican Party uh, feels that you should go to jail if you're caught growing or selling that particular plant, or certainly if you're caught processing that plant in some way and making a more concentrated version of it. You should go to jail. You need to take a, you know, Adderall instead. The Republican Party is also the organization that believes that certain medical procedures should be deemed illegal. This is other... This is also a selectively enforced law because it's also similar to the war on drugs, quote-unquote, you know, the war on plants and concentrated versions of plants. It's another law that can't be enforced fully. It can't be. So it's a selectively enforced. Which women are going to go to jail for getting a medical procedure? Poor women and minorities. Wealthy white women, by and large, will not face any criminal charges for getting a medical procedure. Can you paint the scene? A woman goes to the doctor, a woman that you don't know, have never met. Why did she go to the doctor? It's not really any of your business, and you don't know this person, and you don't even know that she went to the doctor, that she went to the doctor. And then she came out. Two years later, a few years later, she announces to the world that she is pregnant. Why did she go to the doctor that first time? Well, it's not really any of the government's man's business. You person that believes that life begins at conception, great. Keep believing it. And you can shout it from the rooftops. And that woman can live her life. She decides to have a baby. She can decide to have a baby. Yep. Again, what did she do with the doctor? Well, it's not really in the government man's business. You believe life begins at conception. Great. That's awesome. Why did she go to the doctor? Not really in your business. I know. That's, a, that's, a, that's, the, that's the tricky part. Yeah. So you're allowed to believe whatever you believe. And that's great. Awesome. Cool cool for believing stuff. Um, but it, it doesn't become the law. You, you know, that's, that's the part that gets tough because the law is unconstitutional. Saying that this medical procedure is illegal because it is going to be selectively enforced and already is. Poor women and minorities, they're going to jail. Wealthy white women are not. So... So that's, I mean, that's that's the organization that picked Trump, and and the, the organization that picked Trump, they also, you know, stuck with them, and still are, many of them. There's a few that have been, you know, voicing concern all along, and kind of stood the line, but the organization just kept drifting, as Trump just is what he is, and you know, pulled the country down with him. I mean, the... The cases against him, like, apparently, like, Trump and his family already tried to settle the civil suit. So, um, that, that should be a red flag to many. Like, and Letitia James is not settling. No, so the, they're going, uh, the government is seeking, uh, state of New York is seeking uh, $250 million in damages. The tax fraud, insurance fraud, the filing false financial documents documents that's some pretty serious stuff so that's a civil case there was a pretty high preponderance of uh, criminal evidence evidence of a crime 
it's just still, still so crazy. The, the whole era that's still lingering, just the sheer audacity of the level of bad behavior that Trump was involved in, that is still getting, by and large, a full endorsement from one of the two options that were presented in the news. It's just insane. I mean, Trump was bad enough prior to getting the nomination, but man, he he really kicked it up a notch during the four years as president. And then the information that's been revealed since he no longer has the immunity of being president, protections. I mean, he used White House counsel as he thought White House counsel was his own personal defense attorney. Um, White House counsel, by and large, knew otherwise. You know, and so have done their due diligence, testified under oath, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Because they're there, they were there to protect the president, the presidency, not the specific person forever and always as their personal attorney, but sort of the presidency of the office, personal attorney of the office of president. So, it is crazy. I mean, Trump, of all people, started some kind of movement, but it was this real divisive, moving backwards kind of movement, go back to the old days of racial segregation, suppression, violence towards people that disagree with you. You ever seen the footage of that black and white footage of the 60s, early 60s, late 50s sometimes? You know, there'd be people that would go have a meal at a diner, and all of a sudden there would be these uh, group of fucking cavemen that would approach fellow human you know, throw food on them, start beating them up. There were scenes of, like, uniformed police officers unleashing a fire hose on human beings because of the color of their skin. Yeah, so that's what Make America Great Again meant, going back in time in the United States' history, going back to a previous era, a very specific era, with very specific ideologies that were legalized and very much the law of many parts of the land, especially in the South. Donald Trump was big on that ideology, and that's what he meant by going back in time to that. That's when America was great. In the past, when there was racial segregation in parts, Systematic racism. Yeah. He, he, that's what it meant. And his ideology and his campaign and his entire message reinforced that. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> there's many a white people out there. I've met plenty of them because I'm white. So obviously if you're a certain particular color, you're going to meet a lot of people that kind of look like you. And so... Needless to say, I've met many of, plenty of white people in my days, you know, tons and tons and tons. We're not all the same, obviously, but you certainly do get to meet plenty that have certain viewpoints and the I'm not a racist but phrase I've heard plenty of times. And right after that but, the word but, that's when you'll hear the racist thing. There's a lot of white people that are not 
anti-racists. They're not that. They're not vehemently against racism. But they understand that racism is not the position you should be. So they're not racists. But they can go along with supporting a candidate that's running on a racist ideology. But they're not racist. But that's a recurring theme of Donald Trump's ideology is very much racism. It's very much a part of what he is. Again, if you're anti-racist, you fully recognize this and it's glaring and obvious. If you're not a racist, you'll be willing to go along with his ideology that is racism. Because he's unabashed about it. He leans pretty heavy into it, but he's also kind of stupid and arrogant and kind of gets distracted easily. So, and kind of a clown. So I think that's the main reason many people can be dismissive of his pretty blatant racism. But again, if you're an anti-racist, you can't vote for Donald John Trump. Because he's certainly not an anti-racist. That's not what he is. You know, he's... He's not passionate about civil rights. Negative. That, that's incorrect if you think that about the man. I'm not sure where that would come from. I worked with a Trump supporter once who was a not a racist group. He, he fell into that group. I'm not a racist. That, that was to be his kind of, you know, whatever. The phrase that he would say when knowing that you're, you're declaring your allegiance to Trump, a guy supporting racist ideology. The reason you lost your job is because of that Latino who speaks Spanish and walked across the desert. We need to build a wall. Yeah, that's racism. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Calling an entire group of people murderers and rapists, but some of them are okay. And it's purely based off of their ethnicity or their race or their culture. Yeah. That, that's racism, xenophobia, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it's called. That's a, an example of it. But again, if you're anti-racist, you fully understand this and know this about the man and get annoyed and frustrated that he's gaining popularity. If you're not a racist, or racist, and proudly so, like Proud Boys and Nazis and shit like that, then you certainly abide by it and go along with it and fully support it. If you're not a racist, you'll have to give certain disclaimers. Like, say you're going to church every Sunday. You're not a racist. But you're supporting Donald John Trump. There's going to be inner turmoil there, obviously, because Donald Trump is not a anti-racist. Clearly and obviously. He's not a civil rights advocate. Clearly and obviously. He's a, he is an advocate for violence towards others. He's an authoritarian. He likes to lie a lot. He allowed thousands of times during his four years. And these are all known facts about the man. So you're going to church every Sunday. You're claiming you're not a racist, but you're supporting that man. What's your disclaimer? Might have something to do with some variation of words. Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, socialism, Democrats. Might have something to do with Second Amendment or something. You might just like just utter certain two and three word phrases. And that'll be your sufficient defense, in your mind, for supporting Donald John Trump and his ideology. Not just him, but what he represents. 
And again, because he's such a cartoonishly stupid man, cartoonishly corrupt, it gets almost lost at what, what some of the things he's actually trying to pursue, you know, aren't virtuous at all, you know. Yeah, he, he, he has a, a pretty small-minded view on a lot of groups of people that just aren't in his very inner circle. Basically, anyone that doesn't isn't completely loyal to him. He has some sort of negative view of, you know, so including his own followers. They're certainly not the type of people that he would want to have as supporters, but that's all he got, you know. I mean, that's that's just is what it is. What group of people are going to actually believe that Donald John Trump, the famous con man, would be a good commander-in-chief of the United States military? Well, you know, God bless him. It's it's going to be the folks that are on TV, you know, fighting against health care as a right and the taxing of wealthy to build hospitals. You know, I mean, they're marching in the streets with signs and everything. The movement bought and paid for by billionaires. And there you have working class people gleefully being pawns, fully televised on, you know, the World Wide Web and everything. There you go. There are your marks. I mean, they declared themselves. So Trump is a con man. He, he saw an opportunity and he took it. You know, it, I mean, that, that was a real live thing. Town hall meetings during the beginning of uh, the real push to try to get health care as a right. You had real live live and breathe and working class folks mostly worried about their health insurance. What happens to my health insurance? This company that I'm a customer of, how do they retain a profit? Not, what is the health care? What are my rights as a citizen? What, what type of health care can I access as a right? That wasn't the concern. There was millions of Americans that were trained to think that the thing you should be most concerned with if healthcare becomes a right is how the health insurance company you pay money to each month retains a profit. And that was the primary concern of the Republican Party, hence the primary message on Fox News and other conservative media. Now, of course, they phrased it in a different way, used terms like socialized medicine and stuff to really scare you. But again, this is because their primary objective was protecting the interests of the insurance industry, the health insurance sector, most specifically. How do they retain a profit? They pay a lot of money to their CEOs, too. Big, massive dividends to their shareholders. It's a highly profitable sector of the economy, health insurance, and that very specific type. Pay us hundreds of dollars a month in premiums, and then when you get sick, we'll pay a portion of the bill. But obviously that particular product becomes virtually worthless if you have the right to go to a doctor when you're sick. It's just a right. You don't have to pay any fee and has zero, there's zero regard to what your socioeconomic standing is. It's irrelevant. Yeah, how much is that product worth now? Not a whole lot. But again, those town hall meetings that got quite feisty and contentious, that's what many of those people that were there getting really fired up about. How does my health insurance company retain a profit? I'm willing to sacrifice health care as a right if it means that the CEO of health insurance company X can continue to earn $20 million a year. That is the trade-off. 
Yep, that is the trade-off. Higher percentage tax on the wealthy. Everyone else gets free health care and education. There is no cap on earnings. There is no cap on earnings. If you're earning an exorbitant amount of money, the portion above an exorbitant amount will get taxed at a really high rate. That tax revenue will be invested directly in the foundational aspects, not safety net foundational, not safety net foundational, not safety net foundational aspects of a 21st century industrialized nation. The, the citizens of this country doing all the work, which is about 98% of the population-ish, and their children, you know, and families and such. You know. Well, we don't require children to work, thank goodness. It used to be different back in the day. You know, as much as people poo-poo socialism or any kind of, like, investment in the public good, which is, falls under the socialism category, any kind of leaving it 100% to the private sector is capitalism. And that's where business comes in to fill the wants. Certain needs have to be filled by the public. You know. But uh, when that's not really being done accordingly, then you sort of and you don't have proper protections for the people, then you have a situation where you're sending, you know, children into coal mines, and there's pictures of that shit. It's pretty fucking dark and scary that that used to be a thing in this country. A group of 30 or 40, like, little children with coal dust all over the face, looking pretty sad and pathetic, standing in front of a coal mine. It's like, it's it's not a... It's not a shtick or something. It, it was like... A, and there's a reason child labor laws were enacted. It's because of pretty extreme examples. But was there a small group of people that benefited from that? Oh, yeah. Exorbitant amounts of money made. Able to live like kings. But on the inverse, children were not getting an education and then were forced to work at very young age in pretty hostile conditions. Imagine what the adults had to go through. So... Taxing the wealthy is not socialism. It's just taxing the wealthy. Revenues raised from that going into foundational things means that the future certainly opens up. Are there more variety in business if there's a higher percentage of the population that's healthy and thinking clearly, thinking healthily? You know, if certain basic survival mode kind of stresses are eased, does it allow a more forward-thinking mindset, more planning, more calculated risks. Well, of course, yes. You add in that free education, does that add to the wrinkle? Does that add to the calculated risk type thing, pursuing dreams thing? Yes, of course. The, the opportunities certainly open up immensely. Higher percentage of the population healthy and educated, making healthy and educated decisions. What does that mean for our society? Yes, it's opened. It opens wide up. There is no limit to how much you can earn either. So it still opens wide up. If that's your main goal in life, they're in a shit ton of money. You still can in a society that has marginal wealth and estate taxes, and you can still live an extremely extravagant life, even if you're paying all three of those. Of course, you're only going to pay the third one once, and you won't be paying it. Your state will, because you'll be dead. State tax. And it's extra tax on estates worth over a really massive amount that the vast majority of Americans do not have an estate worth anywhere near 
that, even if they own their home outright. It's quite important to kind of, I think, take a step back because it, it's almost lost in the shuffle because, like, like Trump was the cause of all these woes and stuff like that. And like, like, the organization that picked him had a very specific agenda, preserving a very specific status quo, and they been have made it clear that they have been willing to go through just about anything to preserve that status quo. And it's a very specific status quo that isn't always presented as such. You know, more more, more like it. And he's viewed as like an ideology, conservative, liberal, or something. And no, that's how it's presented. But no, it's more like a preserving of the wealthy, affluent system that allows them to kind of maintain an affluent life in perpetuity. Once you get there, you're in, and you are good to go in perpetuity. There's various, all kinds of uh, systematic things to make sure that once you are in that position, especially if you're born into it, that there's it is extremely difficult to uh, be knocked off your post. It's also extremely difficult to rise above that because it's like a there's a massive gap. If you would like to like look at the population as a whole as a, a bell curve distribution of income type thing, you know, you have a certain percentage of the population that's earning like less than 20,000, massive portion of the population, the vast majority, 98% or so that are earning between nothing and say under 500,000 in a year. But you have a very tiny percentage of the population that are earning exorbitantly more than that. And then among that tiny percentage, the incomes jump massively, you know, to the point where you have some people earning an interest income alone, dozens of millions of dollars, if not more, over a hundred million in a year type shit sometimes, you know, where the vast majority of people even if you're doing really, really well, really kicking ass, making six digits, you know, three, four hundred thousand dollars a year. Some of the people I went to college with were doing that about ten years ago already, you know, in their late twenties, making over three hundred. That's, I mean, if you're a member of that ninety-eight percent and you're making, that means you're bossing it. You're not doing that working twenty hours a week just doing random shit, or you know interest income off of an investment that you inherited that's you're busting it you're probably working 78 hours a week some shit you know whether it's skilled labor or or white collar type stuff wearing a suit every day you're putting in some time it's the only way you can get seems to be about the only way most people can ever get to that kind of income is just pure just hustle and work but if you want to earn like 50 million dollars a year doing nothing we just have to be born into it, or win the lottery, it, but it's the same difference, you know. And Trump won the lottery. He was born into that affluent class, extremely affluent. Four hundred million inherited by his father over the course of his life, and just inherited. He didn't borrow it. He was given it, and not one million, four hundred million. That's a big difference. Even a million would be an extreme advantage. But again, that that's. That there, Trump's story that he borrowed one million from his father, but in reality inherited, given, birthright, four hundred million from his father. That right there, it it, it kind of shows the gap just just among the wealthy affluent class. There are massive differences in income to Trump. 
someone who only has a net worth, quote unquote, of a million or so, is someone that's almost poor to him. He's so far removed from that, at least when, what he was born into. Now, it might very well be that in the next few years, he does indeed settle down to something that's more like a millionaire. And some financial wealth advisor CPAs, out of just pure pity for the man, put some things together for the man so that he can maintain that. Not super-duper insane extravagant life in perpetuity without ever doing anything, but still pretty gosh darn affluent in perpetuity without any without ever having to do anything. Now, he'll probably lose that allowance aspect where he's able to make, you know, create businesses and stuff because it's probably, he's going to lose his business and the, the right to operate any kind of business in the state of New York and any businesses that is conducted in New York. And that is going to happen, and it must, because, you know, he, he's a corrupt businessman and, and operates all of his businesses with corrupt intent, willfully and knowingly. Uh, that is going to be revealed, and so, you know, it's we are, as much as we are a buyer beware society, government officials also have a certain necessity to make people aware they still choose after all this time to still continue to give money to that anyway. Well, it is their money, you know. But uh, there is restitution that Donald Trump must pay. Uh, he, he tried to settle for a smaller amount. Uh, but no, because the evidence is profound. There was enough to probably proceed with a criminal case. So needless to say, the civil case is pretty ironclad. Um yeah, the whole, like, pleading the fifth thing hundreds of times comes back to bite you in the ass when it actually comes to the ruling in the civil case. I plead the fifth, meaning I can't answer those questions because it may implicate me in a crime. So that should be considered when in a civil suit, how much in damages are people entitled, given that this person may have been engaging in criminal activity that they don't want to own up to, knowing that that would mean criminal charges. I mean, like, yeah, him and his son both, you know, they, they did have, they pled the fifth, which they have every legal right to do, but now that means facing the reckoning when it comes to the civil side of things with, you know, there was an investigation that was going, information was found, documents, <laughs> um, witness testimony, hours and hours and hours, it's all, you know, so now, they were going to be filing charges against the former President of the United States, so they had to make sure everything was pretty gosh darn ironclad, and oh man, like, and again, that's just one case. So there's many other. So the organization that's still picking that guy, you know, it, it makes very clear how passionate they are about their very true ideology, their very true core objectives. Are they willing to wreck the entire country? Are they willing to risk handing over the reins to an autocrat? You know, are they so prideful to think that they still to this day can, can control the man? Yeah. Are they willing to go abide by just about any of his behavior? Is there any level of criminal activity that they will draw a line in the sand on? 
as long as they get what they need, cutting taxes for wealthy corporations. Now, they are also political opportunists. Their main focus in life is preserving their own political power, which requires people to vote for them. The main way they do that is by demonizing the other, and then also appeasing to those folks that were they got really riled up and got a lot of publicity and notoriety during the, what's called the Tea Party, Freedom Caucus, that whole kind of thing. Death panels. People protest in death panels. Sarah Powell... You know, the folks got real riled up by Sarah Palin, Palin and were like, yep, what she's saying is awesome. Death taxes. Millionaires need to pay a higher percentage of tax once they're dead so that we can have hospitals. Sarah Palin was able to get people and others, other pundits were as well, to get people riled up against that. Yeah. So those are the kind of folks that can be manipulated to do, to vote for all kinds of stuff. All you got to do is kind of dangle some kind of fruit in front of them. And so what the Republican Party did and Donald John Trump, where the Republican Party did the, uh, you know, we're going to ban abortion. They kept that kind of steady drumbeat going. No real intention of actually doing it, but because it would be unconstitutional. And they know that. But whatever you got to say so that you can cut taxes for the wealthy corporations. But that was, so that was certainly what many Republican candidates were running on that and banning gay marriage. Um, the Democrats are socialists, so vote for me. And then again, as soon as office, big celebration. Some of them called it the crowning achievement of their careers. Paul Ryan was one of those, former Speaker of the House, Republican. They cut taxes for the wealthy and corporations. Now, Donald John Trump ran on a, we're going to ban Muslims. If uh, someone is saying something that you disagree with, punch them, and he'll pay, pay their legal bills. You need to build a wall in the middle of the desert because Latinos are stealing your job because they don't have paperwork. Yeah, yeah. Immigrants immigrating to this country because they're fleeing countries controlled by drug cartels are illegal and committing a crime, says the person that quotes the famous line, forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. That person that says that will then just, well, they were illegal, though. Huh? <laughs> For trespassing? Really? On public lands? How the fuck? <laughs> it doesn't even make any sense. What the fuck are we even talking about? Need a fucking wall in the middle of the desert. God, that was the stupidest fucking thing, but to actually hear it live and to hear people actually chant for it, it's just like, oh, God, we're fucked. We are so fucked. Like, to be at an, a live Trump rally and to see a line around the block of people, like, enthusiastically wanting to hear and support Donald John Trump, famous con man dipshit, game show host fuckhead, said racist stuff about Barack Obama, and that gained him more popularity. Great. Now there's a line around the block to see the dumb shit. I gotta be checked in by Secret Service. <laughs> Good God, to be able to listen to Donald John Trump speak. But a gig's a gig, I guess, you know. Sell the Trump MAGA folks some sodas and snacks while they while they listen to the listen to the show. He played the hits. Build the wall, lock her up. Get her, get him out of here. And we're, you know, the crowd yells Trump, Trump, Trump because there's a protester supposedly. I, I never actually saw one or heard anything, but. I did see the crowd start yelling, 
Trump and kind of circling around and saw other folks in the peripheral kind of like trying to look and see where the protester was, but seemed to be confused as to where the protester was. But Trump had pointed someone out and, uh, you know, that, that person was escorted out with a big raucous applause. And <laughs> that was the show, you know, that's what they came to see. And so some people, once they saw a bit of it, that was enough, you know, 15, 20 minutes of Trump was enough, and so, yeah, they were still going to vote for him, so they were still, had a big smile on their face as they were leaving the auditorium while he was still on stage talking about all kinds of random shit, you know, airing out all kinds of grievances, playing victim, a wealthy billionaire guy from New York is the victim, <laughs> the system's against him, like, what the fuck are you talking about? The only reason you're even remotely relevant is because you're wealthy. I mean, he's a famous failure. But God bless him. The folks eagerly, you know, soaking up his message. They didn't know that fact about the man. That he's a con man. And he's famous for bankrupting companies and being a tabloid celebrity. Going back decades. Then he became a game show host. And then he started saying racist shit. Hence the necessity for many, I'm not a racist... But people that support Trump, they have to do the I'm not a racist because that's, that's what kind of started it all. The whole birther thing was racism, pretty blatant and unapologetic. This particular man is not an American because, like, look at him. And what's his name? His dad was born in Kenya. It's like none of that bit of information really is relevant at all. You know, it's just, it's so, like, in-your-face kind of racism that there's no denying it. So the I'm not a racist, but people have to do the disclaimer. They, 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 you know, it, it, that's what it is. It's an example of it. Questioning a person's Americanness because of what their name is and what they look like. And Trump did it on full public display for years, and he got rewarded for it. You know, he got more publicity. Yeah, and then and then more people interested in being president, and, uh, and then when he finished in second place in the election, you know, the people voted on election night, and they voted for Hillary Clinton. Thirty days later, a smaller group of voters in each respective state decided that Donald John Trump should be the president. All he needed was 270 of those folks to vote for him, and that's what he got on 2016. Again, on election night, the people of the United States voted, and they voted for Hillary Clinton. 30 days later, just over 270 people voted for Donald John Trump to be president. Thus, he became the president-elect that day, 30 days later. It was announced differently, and it's tradition to cover it differently on election night. However, those folks who are voting, they are the ones who, on electoral college night, you know, a month later, they're the ones who decide who the president is. And basically, the, the will of the people is completely irrelevant. The people on the, of the United States of America in 2016 voted for Hillary Clinton. She finished in first place by about five million. Donald John Trump did amazing. He actually finished in second place. Like, wow, you know, he shouldn't have even finished in the top 10. 
regardless of what organization picked him, that shouldn't really matter, whether it was the Democrats or the Republicans or the Green Party or the Libertarian Party or the Constitutionalist Party, all of which are other political organizations that were indeed on the ballot. Uh, for whatever reason, though, the news just did not present them as options. Why? You know, why is Donald John Trump being presented as a legitimate option? He's a con man, known ties to organized crime going back a long, long way. God bless the folks that don't know that fact about the man. Why is the news not being more clear, and why are they just sort of doing this sort of theatrical presentation of Donald John Trump for the world to see? Let's just give him more publicity than he's ever had before. Let's cover his campaign. What? Well, the Republican Party as an organization has clearly and obviously lost their way. Let's say it's 2015. They're considering picking Donald John Trump, a game show host with zero public service experience. Famous for bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, being racist and sexist and stupid. He had a cameo in Home Alone 2, and he was a frequent guest of the Howard Stern Show. There you go. Rose to fame by refusing to rent to minorities. And he got sued. That's how he came to be in fame. You can't, it's also one of those things where if you're born wealthy, you can just sort of decide to be famous if you want to be. So that's kind of what he was. Yep. And that's not really a political opinion or anything. It's just kind of a, a tidbit, kind of basic, kind of Wikipedia kind of summary of a known public figure. You know, Donald John Trump was a famous con man, famous for bankrupting companies, cheating on his wives, saying racist and sexist and stupid shit. He was just being kind of a whore for publicity. He wasn't really famous for anything good, but he was really famous. He had his name on big tall buildings and gold. Plenty of anecdotal stories from all kinds of people, including famous people, about just what kind of a schmuck he was. How it was all superficial and none of it was real. And it's also real kinds of real cases, civil suits, and going back decades that, you know, things he said under oath and such that you know, revealed the character of the man. His early mentors were Roy Cohn, a man some people referred to at the time as the devil himself. So Donald John Trump was his apprentice. Donald Trump's father was also a very cruel and sociopathic man that would do anything to make money. The world is winners and losers. And Donald Trump, John Trump very much bought into that ethos, that ideology. Win at all costs. And no matter how many, lose. Yeah. So, con man runs for president, who loses? Everybody. It's a country. It's a society. <laughs> the right to free speech, right to assemble, right to freedom of religion. Goodness gracious, <laughs> we're a democracy. We handed over the reins to a con man. Yeah, massive amounts of resources spent protecting his interests, allowing him to pursue his various personal vendettas and yeah, he, he took quite a sledgehammer to the pillars, but it's like, you know, they're, they're good concrete pillars and stuff, but yeah, you hit them hard enough, yeah, they, they start cracking up a bit, so they need repaired and reinforcing, because uh, 
He's also in, able to implement various sycophants to his kind of kind of ideology. One was Brett Kavanaugh. He, he had a very poor uh, confirmation hearing, demonstrated a very mm, very bad temperament to be a justice on the Supreme Court. Uh, pretty, pretty clearly and obviously red flags. Um, that should have, at a bare minimum, caused a pause in the uh, very rushed confirmation process that was uh, being initiated, and gleefully so, by Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, two of the most sort of morally and ethically flexible politicians we've ever had in politics, and in the media age, no less, with just abundant amounts of information about them that's on video and both on the record and, you know, I mean, like, in proceedings and stuff, you know. But have been in power for decades, and they just seem to think that they will be there forever. There seems to be various, you know, they live in states where there's a lot of people that watch Fox News, listen to conservative media, and they gobble it up and believe that those individual human beings are really protecting their interests. They're protecting some of those people's interests, extremely wealthy white white people, they know massive shares of corporations and shit. Yeah, they're protecting their interests, but not any, not regular people. Yeah, that's just not really their concern. Their own self-preservation is what they're most concerned with, and that's it. Hence, healthcare shouldn't be a right, or education shouldn't be a right, even though we can afford it and not be a socialist society. Their entire message is, no, that's socialism. Because it may mean certain particular sectors of the economy that are owned by a small group of people may become irrelevant. And it might very well people be that people that own massive positions in those particular sectors lose their financial standing pretty dramatically. I doubt it would drop them all the way to poverty or something, because if uh, they've diversified their portfolio well enough, it shouldn't really matter all that much if their position in the health insurance sector diminishes to virtually worthlessness. You should have other areas of the economy that you invested in. It's a big, robust economy, many different sectors. If you're purely and solely invested in the health insurance sector, you're going to be exposed to a massive amount of risk if and when healthcare ever becomes a right, because that particular product becomes far less valuable to the point of being virtually worthless if you just have the right to go to a doctor. Yeah. And that's the main reason we don't have the right to go to a doctor. is because that particular sector of the economy gives massive amounts of money to the Republican Party and some members of the Democratic Party, which are called corporate Democrats. And this is the same with every single specific corporate sector. They're allowed to give massive amounts of money to politicians. The Republican Party seems to have the highest concentration of members that receive massive amounts from corporate interest. But the Democrats have their share as well. Democrats have the highest percentage of members that do not and refuse to take the money. And again, there's information on all this. You can, like, there's websites. I wish I could have them memorized and stuff, but I've looked them up before. 
You know, there, there are real deal, decent human beings that are in politics, but for whatever reason, they don't get as much of the spotlight. They're not as entertaining and good for ratings. So, which Democrat gets to talk on MSNBC a lot? M. Shifter's good. He's a morally principled, ethical man. That's all business. But Joe Manchin also gets the floor from time to time, and he's, he's not in the same realm. They have the same letter next to their name, though. But they, they do not demonstrate the same level of character. You know, Manchin is a spineless politician. He is a Democrat, though. But he is very pro-corporate interest, protecting the interest of the coal industry. A very, very particular, sec specific sector of the energy sector of the economy. This very particular energy source must be maintained because... He benefits dramatically financially by doing that. And that's what his, he views his main purpose in government to be. When that gets revealed, uh, then he has to engage in certain political shenanigans and might even come to actually vote, voting in certain ways to at least give the p appearance of giving a shit about real live working class people. But generally speaking, he does not. However, again, because he has that D next to his name, he does have to at least occasionally abide by his colleagues or, you know, the other people with D's next to their name. And so sometimes, almost by accident, or purely by political self-preservation, he will indeed vote for a bill that does have some good stuff in it. But it's, he wouldn't if it didn't have some sort of personal political benefit to him. That's the only reason he's doing it. That, 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 that still is his main purpose for voting on certain things is his own political preservation that's it he's not really voting how does this affect truly the people of my area and who what does he define as the people of his area is it just a very specific socioeconomic group or is it the people of the area all people you know many politicians view it especially the ones with ours next to name not all of them but many view it as protecting a very particular kind of people in their area you know maybe not so much everybody so if there's a few people on the outskirts that are still kind of in your district but like you, you know you don't really like them you'll, you'll just kind of exclude them from any kind of decision and just purely kind of focus on the, the higher income folks and what their main concerns are and even their concerns aren't unified there's plenty of high income folks that have no issue whatsoever paying taxes because they're smart, educated people and know what taxes go for. You know, it doesn't mean their position gets s suddenly less secure because now there's hospitals and schools to go to, and they got to pay a slightly higher tax rate. They, they're, they're smart enough to know that they can get their situation sorted out so that they can maintain the life they've become accustomed. It's not that crazy difficult. Trumpism is winding down, waiting for certain nails in the coffin to be, like, the day when, like, like Trump is, like, ordered under house arrest, or bail is set or something, or some kind of, like, definitive kind of, like, dude, you, like, it, it, not only is it not that he's eligible, he, not only is it that he's not eligible to be president, like, it's declared as, like, some kind of thing, and it's just accepted, by and large. 
Wait, no, he he's he's deemed ineligible, just like a similar to an impeachment or something. Barred from public office ever again, because it's already happening in New York with business, and it is going to go that way, and he's going to be having to owe tons of money. What sort of tactics is he going to resort to to try to raise the funds to pay all his legal bills? You know, the uh, corporate law firm that protects a lot of Republican uh, politicians, Jones Day or something like that. They've, uh, they're Trump's counsel, I believe, currently, or, or, or like trying not trying to separate their attachment or something. Because the issue with Trump is that he's, uh, you know, a liar and, and a known liar. So if you lie under oath, it's perjury, which is a crime. So you have to tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So you have the right to plead the fifth, though. But that that gets into. I don't think you can in a criminal case, but then it's like it's kind of like admitting that you did the crime. You just don't want to admit to it. In a civil case, yeah, it's basically admitting that you probably were involved in criminal activity, or at least unethical, immoral activity that very much did indeed cause the financial harm to the people that are seeking damages. So, and he was doing it for decades, massive, massive amounts of amounts of overinflating and underinflating, depending on how it would benefit him personally. For a long, long time, and now it's on record, and there's records of it, and. Yeah, the interest and penalties, and he's, he's going to be having to sell off some positions. wonder how badly he uh, liquidated himself, leveraged, because like, he's personally guaranteed certain stuff. Like, he, he might very well end up with, like, yeah, he's, he's got to, like, sell off some stuff, ownership rights of his own name. Might well, very well be that. Tries to get some sort of license agreement, but it's more like he just sells it off permanently, and someone else just owns the right to Trump's own name. Would he be willing to do that to get himself to just try and maintain some sort of appearance of luxury? Yeah, I'm sure he would. But of course, it would mean that whoever bought his name would be able to use the Trump Organization name however they want, in whatever form. <laughs> Yeah, so it might just become a pure satire of Trump type thing, like have some comedian that buys Trump's name for $10 million, the rights to the Trump Organization name, because it's just a plummeting value product, you know, there's just virtually zero value in it. And then once we uh, f fully start dissipating from the Trump thing, then we can start moving upward. My goals are healthcare as a right and education as a right, not socialism, but healthcare as a right and education as a right. Not socialism, but healthcare as a right and education as a right. Not socialized medicine, but publicly funded hospitals that are, you know, have staff there. Along with healthcare as a right, would be education as a right. We already have publicly funded schools. Public funds go to invest in schools. Now, areas that have higher incomes and stuff like that, that schools tend to be nicer. I grew up in an area that was a military town. And so the middle school and high school I went to, middle school especially, 
tiles falling from the ceiling, trash cans positioned strategically to catch the, you know, falling tiles and stuff because it was difficult to get lobbies, levees passed. Sometimes there's just various harsh judgment against public funds going to schools and educated education, including benefits to the people that are devoting their lives to that career. There's just a, a very, because it means that people that have more are going to be taxed a higher percentage. Property tax. Who pays property tax? People that own property, which is not everybody. Yeah, some and some folks to the point where they'll just be paying their property tax every month as a portion of their mortgage, and then after several decades, they'll own their property outright and don't even have a mortgage anymore, but still have to pay the property tax. They've been paying it all along in small little segments, and in some cases, they might even find that at the end of the year, they paid a little bit more than what. The auditor uh, assessed that they were actually due. So we'll get a slight refund. Sometimes it'll be the opposite, though. We'll have to pay a little bit extra. But yeah, once you owe it outright, though, then all you owe is property taxes. That's it. You don't have a mortgage anymore. Purely and solely the property tax. You want to pay it all at once? Or do you want to try to estimate what it is throughout the year and just pay monthly installments to the tax auditor, whatever? At the end of the year, they'll assess what you paid what you should have paid, and, you'll, and the difference will be sorted out accordingly. However, if you choose to pay it all at once, it might be a big amount if you own a big, massive property. However, again, you, you don't have a mortgage. You own the property, so you're just paying solely property tax. What is most efficient for you to pay it? How would you like to pay it? That's a, Now, again, that's a very specific concern. People who own property and the amount they have to pay in taxes on their property that they own. Why do they own it? Well, because they own it. They paid the fee that the original seller was asking and they paid all fees due. Now they own it. Or they inherited it. Okay. Yeah. Who pays the estate? Or who pays the property taxes? In some cases, it might just be a trust fund that pays it for them. Yeah. It also pays them an allowance. They live off. Trump would have fallen into that kind of category. Now, if you're more working class person, yeah, you probably still have certain issues with property taxes because it's a legit amount. So, I, but keep that in mind if you're voting for a particular bill and uh, deciding whether or not you approve of a slight increase in your property tax. It's your property tax. A tax on the property that you get to own. Not pay a monthly fee for the right to live on and get zero back property that you own and can sell for whatever price you want. You can take market rate, ask for market rate, or you can ask for less, or you can try to ask for more. You own it. And the money received is yours. You have to pay certain taxes on the money you received yeah but yeah it's an asset that you can sell congratulations you're you're a select few even if there's a bunch of you even if there's millions of you even if it's a decent percentage of the folks there's many that do not 
fall into this category. So it's a certain particular concern that is just not there. Oh my God, property taxes are going to go up. Okay, yes, I will vote for that. It's supposed to fund a school. Okay, yes. And then there'll be people that own property. And are the very folks that sometimes might own multiple properties. Some of them are rental properties that they charge. Maybe raise the rates on their mortgage by about 30-40% and then divvy it up into you know, rental options. So the cost of living is higher because there's certain people that want to earn a certain income and have a certain way of life they want to maintain. But then it raises the cost of the people that are just, just trying to work just, and just trying to get a decent life. Have, have no real desire to own a million dollar house at all really it's just I don't that's never really been the goal but that is what you're that's success and it's like yeah I lived in a million dollar house for a while it was neat the view was awesome million dollar beach house I had no zero ownership stake in it so but I helped the owner preserve their particular investment that they can certainly sell off later for a substantial sum of money. I got zero out of it, though. In fact, I even got charged fee. There was some time you were staying here where you didn't pay us the full amount, so you, you owe us that. But again, me paying them is helping them preserve their asset that they own, that I have 0% ownership in. None. I have to pay a fee just for the right to be able to stay there, have a place to live. But I get zero back. The tax, obvious tax revenue source, tends to be extremely affluent. It's obvious because it causes no hardship. There's no hardship. You're a member of the wealthy, affluent class. Your tax rate goes from a total of, you know, a net tax rate of say 19, 20 percent to all the way to 27 or something or whatever the number is it doesn't really matter you know they have people that can take care of all that for them and make sure that the allowance that they receive every month is still more than sufficient to spend freely and live however they want to live you know live the affluent life that they become accustomed to whether they pay a higher tax bill and whether their net worth is changes or whatever it doesn't really matter the way of life is the same. The number of cars they have, you know, the fancy homes they live in. Yeah, they still got that. Maybe the sheer quantity starts kind of drifting in a bit, you know, the, the insane excess of, of some of the top. Maybe it, maybe it possibly stops going that level of absurdity. You know, the, look how much I have kind of insanity kind of wealth you know because they can afford it's their money you know it's all theirs they did it purely on their own there is no consequences to the amount of money that they accumulated and are able to do real life things with zero there's zero effects from that none and they will of course pay massive amounts of money to send you that message to, to make you think that trickle-down economics is real. 
that that's the best way to invest in the working class. Give more money to the people with the most, and they'll spend it freely, some of them, or whatever. And then it'll, like, trickle down. And it does. It trickles into certain sectors that cater to the wealthy. And then those specific people kind of spend a little bit. And so it's just kind of, it, it's like a little trickle. It's just kind of here and there. Some people kind of benefit that are in the working class who cater in some way directly to the interests of the wealthy. And then sort of secondary service ish, you know, services around that a little, kind of. A trickle. You know, trickle. Yeah, massive, robust investment in the air, tiny, tiny group at the top, and then little trickles of that filters down here and there to the 98% trickle-down economics. Yeah. The, the, the phrasing is what it is, and the economic impacts of that type of tax policy is trickle-down economics. Massive revenues increase among the top, you know, few tenths of a percent, really. And then the vast majority gets nothing because there's just a few trickles of it, of that massive investment top. It just sort of just sort of spills over because there's so much being invested into that group. Their, their income and their estates grow by so much so quickly with that lowering of the tax rate. The garbage truck rolls by because I'm just a regular class dude recording my podcast. I'm sure ain't in no recording studio or some shit like that. I'm just talking on my phone. So, hence a garbage truck randomly driving by in the middle and necessity for some sidebar because I don't edit this shit or anything. I stop in random spots. That's about it. Press pause every once in a while. About as free flowing as you can get. Which means now I'm going to have to pause in a second to regain my path that was on there. Trickle-down economics is massive, robust investment and a tiny percentage of the population with tiny trickles of it spilling over here and there to the 98%. Healthcare is right, education is right, and even freedom dividend, and to coin Andrew Yang's term, universal basic income. Those are more like robust investments, similar in value, to the investments that the Republican Party made into the wealthy five and a half years ago. Same value, but way more broadly. So investments, foundational investments in the working class, the 98%. The ever top 2% or so would receive minimal direct investment from it. Yeah, because they are those things are all things that they pay for out of pocket, fine and dandy, and they have little regard for a free version of it offered by the public. You know, they, they can go to the finest schools no matter what. They don't really care. You know, if, if the cost of an education is $200,000, it doesn't really mean anything. You know, it, it's a zero-sum game to them. You know, 200000 300000 it doesn't really matter if you're a multi-billionaire. 200000 is virtually nothing. So there, there's minimal kind of personal direct benefit to the top 2% if you make healthcare is right and education is right. Their benefit is more 
later on or something. Uh, the people working for the companies they own are healthier and more educated. However, it does mean that, yes, if the higher percentage of the population is healthy and educated, then they're making healthier and educated decisions, making healthier and more educated business choices, business decisions, calculated risks, pursuing passions. Yeah, so is there a continued massive participation among our citizenship in the corporate sector? Maybe not. You know, does it just be, does it stay tradition that every teenager get a job working for a corporation as their first gig? Is that, does that just kind of continue to be just this is what it is? Or join the military? Are there different options that start presenting themselves? You know, if you're just kind of a regular kid and you don't maybe want to work at McDonald's for your first job with Jack in the Box. Both of which I've done. Certainly reinforces of definitely need to get a degree. You know, don't go off to college. There's no way I'm getting out of this town. You know, and that was main goal in life was to get out of my town. And it did. Haven't really... You know, I've gone some, had some good adventures. I would like to venture even further. I'd like to venture out of the United States for a while at some point. Live in a different country for a while. And who knows, maybe indefinitely. Depending on... If, if this country is not able to start moving in more of a positive direction. I mean, dissipating from the Trumpism thing would be great. But if we just kind of settle back into the old state of affairs and we just... Mitch McConnell is still relevant, and Lindsey Graham, and the whole cast of characters in the modern Republican Party, and, and including some of the corporate Democrats. But, you know, that, that's just not very inspiring. You know, just to kind of go back to just a few years ago, you know, this constant tug and pull. Healthcare should be a right, says one organization. By and large, there's some that aren't real clear on what their position is because they're just politicians. And then the other side is no. A, a pretty definitive, like, no, it shouldn't be a right. And so you get this kind of mismatch of the two options that were presented, duking it out over those kind of one fairly definitive position, no, healthcare should not be a right. And this other one that's sort of kind of definitive, but they got a wide varying mix of how they think it should be done. And some that have very particular interests that aren't really about primarily healthcare as a right and more like, well, what about health insurance companies and stuff? And they're kind of in that group too, but they have the D next to their name, but they're kind of like right alongside the Republican position. So it's like, yeah, well, the end result is what we got, you know, Barack Obama, it's called Obamacare and, and stuff, and Barack Obama gets all the credit and all the critique of it and stuff, and it's like, no, it, it was Congress and the Senate that created that piece of shit, you know, again, the goal was healthcare as a right, and that's your, if that's your primary goal, that will, what would be the easiest way to make healthcare a right? Will you invest directly in hospitals? What about health insurance companies? What do you mean? If you want to continue to spend money at the health insurance company, go ahead. Why were politicians not able to say that? Even Joe Biden back in the day wasn't able to... There was some weird, like, huh? 
Crest Blue Shield, Kaiser Permanente are simply companies that you can choose to do business with if you like to. So the United States of America decides that we're going to have hospitals that people can go to, and then they're going to these hospitals will be staffed by highly trained medical professionals that are going to cure the sick. Okay, now hospitals with highly trained medical staff should not really be some sort of like fantastical idea in people's head. We already have those; they already exist. So. We would fund those directly. Now, again, if, you're, if your mind drifts immediately to health insurance, ask yourself why. Why are you thinking of health insurance? Part of the reason is because you're going to be questioning, well, what am I paying for? That is a good question. Does the company that is selling you that product have an answer for you? What are they selling you? Yeah. It, it's kind of an elephant in the room. And, and the organization that is very no on healthcare, their mascot's an elephant. Isn't that, it's kind of funny. Yeah, elephant in the room. Yeah, if healthcare became a right, if we invested directly in hospitals that are staffed by highly trained medical professionals who are paid accordingly, not everyone would get paid the same, health insurance in its current form becomes far less valuable, far less in demand, I should say, first. Many people would probably say, wait, why do I have this thing? Why am I paying for this product? They paid their CEO like $20 million last year. I don't own any of this company. Zero do I actually own, but I pay them a fee every month. And they use some of that money to pay an exorbitant salary to one person. Yeah, so why are you continuing to pay for it? That that question is certainly going to come up a lot for a lot of people. Like millions of people are probably going to be like, wait a minute, why am I buying this product still? And yeah, if the company that you're spending money with doesn't have a good answer for you, well, then yeah, maybe cancel it. But if you don't want to, it's your money. Do whatever you want. We are a capitalist society. But yeah, we would be direct investing directly in hospitals. So you, you make up your own mind on what you want to do with your Blue Cross Blue Shield insurance, health insurance policy. Now, we're sure Blue Cross Blue Shield ain't going to ever have to really pay you anything back. Because you're not going to have a claim. Because going to the doctor is just going to be a right. So there is no deductible. You know, so what are you paying for? Yeah. You're going to definitely need to ask yourself that. It, that's, that's a very particular for-profit sector of the economy. That earns money in a very particular way. Healthcare is not a right. But it's a need that people have. So, if you want it, you want to fulfill that need, well, you got to shell over some bucks. Yeah. And what they offer in return is not even really, like, guaranteed health care, though. That's, that's the other thing that's kind of crazy. I mean, they got pretty hot fat off the hog without even giving health care. Like, I can just go now, anytime, because I've been paying this fee every month. Nope. 
No, because, no, yeah, they're a for-profit entity. The main purpose is to earn a profit. So, yeah. So, invest directly in healthcare, meaning invest directly in hospitals that are staffed by highly trained medical professionals. Being able to be staffed by highly trained medical professionals requires a cohesive investment in public education. A strong, qualified medical staff does not mean that you only invest in medical schools. No. No, no public education, all universities, meaning people pursuing all sorts of careers because medical staff are going to be interacting with all kinds of people too. And so the, the college setting, you know, their pre-med days is training in and, of, in and of itself. It's kind of mingling with the general population. They're pursuing their pre-med degree while alongside marketing majors and econ majors, you know, nursing majors and such too. People pursuing law degrees, you know, rec management, sports management, whatever, you name it, communications. So they're, they're alongside all these folks while pursuing their particular discipline. So that's all part of it. And so to make sure that that particular sort of, you know, brew is all there, those people that are going to be right there, you know, they need to be in college too. Yeah, so public investment in, in universities and education. Uh, the main revenue source initially is going to obviously come from the biggest and massive and most highly revenue source, you know, entities. So this includes highly profitable corporations and highly wealthy individuals, marginal taxes, wealth taxes, estate taxes and such. Yes. So the portion above a big massive amount that the vast majority of people will never earn in a year, will never earn in a lifetime, let alone in a year. Um, you lucky few that actually get to that level where you're earning more than that, you will pay a higher percentage tax on the above the really big amount. Massive portions of revenue, direct revenue in direct foundational type stuff. We're going to have hospitals and schools now. A lot of jobs around that. We're also going to need direct investment in infrastructure projects. Some of these are less conducive for certain profit-based entities to pursue, but they are nonetheless infrastructure projects that must be done, regardless of where the money is for certain specific skilled labor. We, we have certain kind of things that like need to get done. So if certain for-profit sectors of certain architectural engineering firms, it's just not conducive for them to pursue certain types of projects that need to be done, well, they still need to be done. And so we got to have proper investment in the need to get done kind of stuff and proper incentive for the people that are willing and able to pursue those kind of need to get done kind of skilled labor kind of stuff to do it. They got to get paid accordingly. So, yeah, we need a certain kind of a, a bare minimum, a certain kind of skilled labor force sector of the economy, public funded kind of thing to make sure we're taking care of the nuts and bolts kind of need to get done kind of stuff. Uh, and this isn't just like community, modern communications, all that. It's it's the real nuts and bolts, you know, the waterworks and the, <laughs> all the stuff that's going underground. No one ever sees the vast 99% of the population never really looks at the sewer water treatment facilities and such. You must have people willing to do that kind of stuff. And it must not just be because they have no other option. 
there needs to be an incentive for people to pursue that and to be properly trained and then also the certain mobility you know you want to be able to train in a wide variety of different skilled labor things that are things that must be done okay here's here's the avenue for you you know no it's still gonna of course tracks them that just you know they don't but it's a more clear-cut path and a more honest path and then you pay people a, a decent wage for work that has to be done there's a certain higher level of honor in it you're not just falling into it because you have no other options or some shit you shouldn't really have that attitude for a job if you're making sure the job that you do creates clean drinking water for people that's a pretty damn important job you know but many times the people working said job you know really more sanitation you know this stuff that like has to get done it, it must get done you have to focus on that kind of stuff and one of the two options it's just their focus is just not there they're, they're not in the nuts and bolts foundational type stuff the integrity of the republic they're off in la la land you know a woman went to the doctor the other day why and that's what they're worried about they want an investigation conducted as to why that woman went to the doctor i heard a rumor that she's no longer pregnant i heard a rumor she was pregnant but now she's not an investigation is needed now huh that's what the law means by the way like what the fuck are we talking about you know woman went to the doctor the other day and someone's suspicious as to why so she's reported to the authorities she's suspected of committing a crime because she went to the fucking doctor says the individual liberty small government organization that's what they supported response to all that is you believe the life begins at conception why do you need the law though because you can still say that and believe it however much you want but there's not going to be like poor women and minorities just going to jail because that's what the law is about that's what its purpose is because that's what it's doing same with the war in cannabis individual liberty small government organization still supports as many of its members still to this day quoting the famous verbiage cannabis is a gateway drug meaning they have specific data supporting their conclusion that a extremely high percentage of cannabis users immediately go on to the use of cocaine and heroin <laughs> they must have data on it i mean that is what their theory is cannabis is a gateway drug according to ted cruz mark rubians and various other republican high-ranking officials members of the small government individual liberty organization they believe that it's a can that it's a gateway drug what this phrase what the thing with a lot of political rhetoric especially certain shit that gets just sort of said over and over again and it just becomes this sort of implied belief is there certain levels of truth to it gateway what, what does that mean well it does mean that like in and of itself it's not the thing so it's the gateway though it could be the thing that may 
possibly, somewhere in the unknown future, compel you to be desired a far more dangerous substance. Gateway. I don't know, they just said one word, but in that one word, it does imply a certain, this particular substance is not the thing in and of itself. It's purely the gateway. Now, in what way? What percentage? How often? They're unclear. What is the data supporting the, the, their hypothesis that cannabis, people who use cannabis will use cocaine and heroin, like on a regular basis, and become addicted to it? My anecdotal evidence is that I drink less alcohol under the use of cannabis, and when cannabis became legal 10 years ago, the consumption of alcohol decreased dramatically, and I rarely ever drink alcohol anymore. It was a key part of my life for most of my 20s, and now it's far less. I have little desire to use cocaine. I have in the past. It's um, My gateway to cocaine was uh, alcohol. Yeah, it's under, well, it, and which is very dangerous to do, depressants and uh, accelerants at the same time, until uh, John Belushi died. Of course, he was probably just doing massive more quantities than Kanye was at it, but if I was wealthier when I was younger, I probably would already be dead, given the kind of habits and kind of things I was gravitating to at the time, getting into cocaine. Cocaine is extremely dangerous. However, making it illegal doesn't really make it go away. I mean, you know, it, it's, it is out there. Of course, when it's illegal, it's also cut with other things. What? You don't know. There's no way of knowing it's controlled by certain particular interests once it's made illegal. Because it's a plant. It's a concentrated version of a plant, so it's, it's not going away. You can't, you can't make the supply nothing. However, if you diminish the supply enough, well, then it just makes the price go up. So, and that's what would happen with cocaine from time to time. There'd be a big seizing of, you know, supplies or something. And that just meant that whoever did have the supply, now their supply is more valuable. So, because again, it's just a plant that you process. So, there's an ever, ever growing supply, and the demand is what it is. Um, what government should be when it comes to things like that is highly advising against warning labels. That's fine. Even when it comes to music, I think they're kind of stupid. Printable advisory and the lyric music. Remember, that was a thing back in the day. To the point when I was in college, I had like a whole binder of CDs that were just exclusively ones that had the printable advisory thing on them. Like, a, just as kind of showing off almost or something. Kind of like seek them out. They're almost like the one you want to get because it has the advisory. It's like a, it's like a stamp of approval, really. This is this is deemed inappropriate by the conservative, you know, kind of whatever establishment. Ooh, let me check it out. <laughs> you know, like their methods, uh, they always achieve the opposite results. Whenever they try to squelch something and burn books, it's like, ooh, I want to read that book now. I'm going to get that book. I'm going to get that book for my children. I even did that recently. I checked out. What are some of the books that the conservative movement is, are trying to ban and abolish and suppress? 
I'm going to get some of those for my kids. Yeah. I do not condone the banning of books. You know? Now, like, some books, like the... Under advisement or something? Yeah? Ones that are... Very specific ideology and things, you know? But... I don't know. Reference section type thing. Can't be checked out. Like, you gotta sign your name to a thing because you're checking that specific one out. Anarchist cookbook. Like, yeah. I'm not looking at that one. I don't want to. I don't. It, it's just. I'm good. You know. Some, but it's out there. You know. Mind Kampf. No, I'm not reading that. No, I don't think it should be banned. But no, I'm not ever reading it. No, 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 no. I don't need to hear Adolf Hitler's story from his point of view while he was in fucking jail. It's this fucking insane. Oh, why, why get in the head of that? No, no, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I'll, I'll just go in a different direction. But that's having said all that, no, I don't believe in suppression of free speech. I have every right to just not ever read that stupid fucking book. You know, like, nope. But no, I'm not going to ban it. And if a particular library says, we're not going to put it on our shelves, but if you, we'll have it in, you know, behind the desk at a reference thing, you have to specifically request it if you want to read the fucker. You can fucking read it. Whatever. You, you know, like, I think a library would be perfectly, you know, fine and just, just not wanting to have a copy in the library. Like, yeah, like, that's not suppressing freedom of speech. Twitter... Banning Donald John Trump is not suppressing the freedom of speech because because Twitter is a company. It's not the government of the United States of America. Why was that so confusing for people? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, Donald Trump was using the form of Twitter, which was affecting Twitter's brand name, their profitability. He was using their form to express racist ideology and stupid shit. And it was affecting... It could affect, and probably was affecting... Twitter's brand recognition in a negative way. Trump was using Twitter to broadcast his fucking message of just pure idiocy and not giving a shit about much of anything except his own self-preservation. So, yeah, they blocked him, which they had every right to do. It's a fucking business. You know, they're all about freedom of speech, but, yeah, if you get so out there that it's just like, come on, you got to rein it in a little. But he was the president. I know. It makes it kind of... Puts you in a precarious situation. There's millions of folks that genuinely dig the guy. Engage in actions because of his... Shit that he says. So... Yeah, what are you supposed to do as a company? It's probably a tough choice. It's your main platform is freedom of speech. But... This guy's kind of abusing it. This Trump guy. And he's the president of the United States of America. Man, the United States of America. Yeah, we used to be so... We're number one. Hey, I don't know about right now. It seems like we're trying to get back there. But yeah, we, we kind of dropped into the lower bracket. How's it work in soccer in Europe? Premier League, and then they got the other one below it or something. Yeah, we. it's like we were in the Premier League or something and then and then dropped to the next one down. And that's kind of where we're at now, but maybe we're like kind of top of the heap of the second ranking. And 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 
really expecting to have a good strong season or two to easily move back up into the top bracket, but we are not there right now. There's like several other countries that are ahead of us, clearly and obviously. Like we, we, yeah, <laughs> we get a lot of stuff to take care of, some uh, personnel issues and, and such to take address management. Uh, the whole structure of our, you know, country and team, if you will, is, is just kind of fucked. You know, we, we kind of like, it's like a team that was once, you know, won a few championships here and there and, that, and then just, you know, went from that to like last place. And it was maybe like middle of the road for a while, just barely hovering above relevance. And then last season we uh, lost every game and so got relegated to the lower circuit. And we're, you know, fighting and clawing, generally speaking, but dealing with a lot of internal issues, you know, a lot of management issues, a lot of uh, restructuring necess necessary to move back up into the top rank because we're not there right now. We aren't. We, we can't claim to be. If we are in the top rank, it, it would only be because the level of play has dropped to such a level that we just happen to be in a top tier by accident, you know, just by because, you know, it's been an overall, but I don't think that's what it is. You know, we dropped other cases, we're able to kind of hold a little bit more steady, but there is, at the same time, our dropping kind of pulled other places to that level too, or something. It's really, I want to be optimistic, but I'm realistic too, at, uh, you know, something has gone on a long time, and its message and ideology is still popular in other parts of the world. It just takes different forms, that kind of authoritarian style. It appeases with people. It plays on people's fears, small-mindedness, ignorance to certain, you know, broad realities of life. And it focuses on people's differences and stuff, and cast outing the other. A lot of distracting, miscommunication, and then using the power and the resources of the government to cater to very elite ruling class interests. It's a lot of a manipulating of working class people, pitting them against each other, distracting them with various bits of nonsense, and then protecting their own personal interests. Elite ruling class. Republican Party got, man, did they get bold, though. Wow. It's like, I mean, there's millions that just feel that that organization can do no wrong, no matter what. And, the, the man, they're arrogant about it, the leaders of that organization. Paul Ryan called the tax bill that his organization and Donald John Trump signed into law in early 2017 after they ran a campaign on banning gay marriage and banning abortion and building a wall in the desert. They cut taxes to the wealthy and corporations. Paul Ryan called it the crowning achievement of his career. They, I mean, they celebrated that signing. It was a, they were very enthusiastically happy about the fact that they cut taxes to the wealthy and corporations. During the corona, when a million people died, the billionaires in this country increased their estates by billions of dollars. Yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's what the Republican tax bill did. Was there proper investment in uh, public health care and infrastructure so that when 
you know, an airborne illness came, we were prepared for it? No. But billionaires had got more money. They were able to retain a higher percentage of the revenue flowing to them from the corporations that they owned. So good. So, so that that's that's what happened. And that was the crowning achievement of one of the leaders of that organization. That was the crowning achievement of his career when he signed that tax bill that created that very particular situation. Billionaires increased their estates by billions of dollars while a million Americans died. You know, of course, when he said it was the crowning achievement, it was right as right after they signed that tax bill and then like reflection years later and stuff. But that's what it achieved. Millionaires and billionaires, they got even more wealthy. And even easier, too. Because it's just capital gains. So that was the other good thing, too. Capital gains tax, like, stayed at a low, steady rate. A small group of people earn most of their income purely and solely from capital gains. Income that comes from investments, in many cases, are made long ago. And they make too much money from these types of investments to it to be allowed into a uh, traditional IRA or Roth IRA, like the normal people. And so because it's an income source that's exclusive to wealthy people, and that's how they earn their money, that's what their job, quote-unquote, is, is to just receive capital gains, it's taxed at an extremely low rate. To make it more clear, most people have to devote time in order to receive money. They have to work hours. The time that a person receiving capital gains income has to devote is simply the waiting for the capital gains to reveal themselves. They don't have to actually do anything. Okay, They just have to have a lot of money initially. Yeah. So that's why capital gains is, and lowering that rate is very an exclusive concern among the wealthy. But it's made a concern. It's told to be a concern among working class folks who aren't really, by and large, affected by such things. Even if you own some individual shares of stocks here and there type thing, it's not really a few percentage increase here and there, even 5%. It's not really huge, dramatic changes, massive amounts of money. But uh, when, when that's your entire source of income, capital gains, just income coming from certain particular in investments and such. In some cases, investments that were made before you were born that procure procured the entire life that you were born into in the first place. And that that's why they're taxed at a lower rate. You know, because it's, it's a very exclusive type of income. And it is income. But it's in income that's you don't have to work a job to get. It's exclusively available to an elite group of society. And most of them are simply born into it. So, yeah, the Republican Party made sure that that particular source of income stayed at an extremely low rate, tax rate. Extremely low. Because, again, there's only a tiny percentage of people that earn money in that way, and it's in exorbitant amounts of money. So it can't be taxed appropriately.
because that would that money would then go to fund hospitals and schools directly. And some of the people that make that exorbitant amounts of money with you know keeping the capital gains taxes real low and stuff, they own certain entities that benefit from maintaining that particular system of not having health care as a right. Yeah, they own large positions in health insurance companies or pharmaceutical industry, you know. And so changes to how our society is structured may have a pretty negative impact on their, you know, financial portfolio. So hence the Republican Party is there to make sure that that tiny group of people's financial portfolio continues to go up every year. And that's what they're doing with their power. They are so focused on doing that and realizing that they were, it, it, it kind of has been exposed over the years by various entities what they are. And so most, but not an overwhelming percentage of the population understands what the organization is. Truly, you know, legislatively, what how what it is they are primarily focused on as an entity in legislation that laws that get passed. Right. Individual liberty, no, no, not when it comes to the laws they pass. That's not what their primary objective is. No, more the opposite. Very much, very much the opposite. A, a very much supporting of. A small group of people's individual liberty, a very extremely free-flowing individual liberty. If they want to trample on others, fine. The others that are getting trampled on protest, that means that the people that are doing the stomping on have are having their individual liberties. And it's a weird kind of, but it works, the messaging, you know. Various kind of insane kind of potpourri word salad type stuff pours out of conservative media, Fox News, Breitbart kind of stuff, and they are able to convince people to vote Republican. And usually it has a wide variety of things that have nothing to do with what that organization in its modern form is primarily focused on, and that's protecting the interest of the wealthy. It's the organization that's anti-healthcare as a right. Why? Because it would probably, most likely, negatively impact the health insurance sector and the pharmaceutical industry. The Republican Party, by and large, is very anti-cannabis you know, legalization. Removing it from the list of Schedule One drugs and other concentrated versions of plants. Why? Because it would possibly negatively affect the pharmaceutical industry. Cannabis and other versions of plants might very well be a better resolution for certain people's conditions and such than drugs that are, you know, for-profit entities are making. Bugging Bart is also, you know, the punishing certain women for getting medical procedures organization. That, you know, they are also the supporting of that. And, and that's also a law that they actually got on the books. Now again, they did that in order to appease 
the ever-diminishing percentage of the population that just digs the Republican Party and its leadership. Names like Mitch McConnell, Marco Rubio, Kevin McCarthy, Lindsey Graham, Ron DeSantis, Donald John Trump, Josh Hawley, Gozer, Gomer. I list those, that list of names, and there's working class folks that are like, yes, those men represent me. None of those guys represent me in one shape or form at all. Now, I do feel like Adam Kinzinger does, though. He's got an R next to his name, though, but he is still representing my interests. He's not even in my state, but he's representing my interests. That's very reassuring, you know? It's good to know that there's politicians and government representing the people's interests. It's kind of weird when one of them actually has an R next to his name. That's kind of odd. Peculiar. Stands out. <laughs> you know? He's a Republican that's representing the people's interests right now. Even people from states other than his own. Even people that aren't just wealthy people from his own particular state. But that list of names I gave earlier... You know, they have a very particular group of Americans that they're truly representing. And most know that and understand that, but that list of names are certainly willing to manipulate working class folks into believing all kinds of stuff, distracting them with all kinds of nonsense, you know, so that they can get those people's vote. And then once they do, the Republican Party will rub it in people's faces brag about the fact that they're cutting taxes for the wealthy. And it happens five and a half years ago. Years go by. The guy that they picked, this wealthy white asshole, racist fucking dipshit by the name of Donald John Trump, who at the time was a game show host. And his popularity was increasing because he was saying racist shit. Blatantly stupid, like right out of the 1950s kind of racist shit. Just like, oh my God. That kind of shit's still around. I mean, you know it's around, but it's like when it just, it's so, oh my God. And then you hear like white folk kind of like, well, I looked it up and blah, 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 blah. Oh, shut the fuck up. Oh man, you want to get under my fucking skin. You, you, you start in with that fucking birther shit. Oh my God. Fuck off. Doesn't matter what a person's name is or what their skin color is or where their parents are born, for that matter. <laughs> if you're born in America, you're born in America. That's it. That, I mean, that, that that's all the requirement to be an American. Or you attain citizenship for a presidency. You just have to be born in America. Hawaii is indeed a U.S. state and was indeed at the time that Barack Hussein Obama was born there. And just because his middle name is Hussein doesn't mean he's not born in America. Just because he has darker skin doesn't mean commonly referred to as black skin, even though I wouldn't say his skin is... Anyway, I don't even look at the whole, like, people of predominantly European descent are either called white or Caucasian. Yeah, I guess I like that better. Caucasian. I'm a Caucasian. Predominantly. 3% Indian, according to my DNA test. And 1% Colombian. I do like that. That's... Just nice to know there's a little bit of something, something in there, you know. Not just purely, you know, white people for millennia after millennia. That would suck, you know. If this country was just purely fucking white people, no thank you. 
Uh, it's unfortunate that the history of how it became multidimensional, you know, was sort of forced. However, it is a better place once groups learn to find, just be human on the planet where we're all being humans on, you know. Let's do that together in this country where you have the right to all kinds of things. They're pretty broad, and there's not really any reason to, like, suppress some people, but, like, there's some organizations and some interests that benefit from us being pitted against each other, you know, amping up certain views of certain groups. That kind of ideology certainly uh, gained during the Trump era, because that that was the ideology he was representing, a very racist, kind of in-your-face racism unapologetic, asking no forgiveness kind of racism. So I I know, I understand, you're not a racist person that supports Trump. I get it. You you know that it's bad to be a racist. But you're still supporting Donald John Trump. The fact that there's black folks on the stage occasionally, same black folks from just about every time, doesn't mean that he's an anti-racist Donald John Trump. That... That's an interesting tidbit of information that, yeah, there's there's real live black folk at a Trump rally. Latinos, too. I know. it's The world's a weird fucking place, man. Sometimes it doesn't make any fucking sense at all. Why the fuck would anyone who's a minority of any kind, if ever's felt different or outcast of any kind, ever want to support that guy? Why would anyone who's ever worked for a living want to support him? I, I know. It's weird. Most of his support is working class folk. Why would they support a guy like that? He once had this situation where people did like real live, like concrete, like labor, labor, hard labor type work for him. And he like refused to pay them. They spent like hours and hours of work. Bill came due. He just didn't pay it. He had to get sued and shit. Pretty fucked up. So like the very type of people that he fucked over the most is where he gets some of the strongest support from. But they, they like, have a different ethnicity or something, so they, like, go along with it. Like, or they didn't weren't some of those specific people that get fucked over yet in such a direct way, so they, they like what he says. The I'm not a racist people, though, are, are some of the most fascinating. The, the ones who continue to support justify, excuse, in some way, Donald John Trump. Everything we know about the guy. It's just, I, I don't quite understand who they're fooling. You know, it's like they, they know that being racist is bad. But they're supporting Trump anyway. They're trying to find a way to think that he's anti-racist when he's not. People that go to church every Sunday are trying to find a way to think that Donald John Trump is an ethical, morally sound man who makes compassionate, humane decisions on a day-to-day life, even though he isn't that type of person, clearly and obviously. We all know that. So you got to find the disclaimers in there. You're going to church every Sunday, professing to be a follower of the teachings of Jesus, and then you're supporting Donald John Trump. 
Where's your disclaimer? What is it? Is it, is it some variation of Hillary Clinton, Benghazi, socialized medicine, Democrats, blah, blah, blah? Holy fuck. Excuse my French. It's embarrassing, you know? Like, talk about, like, devil takes many forms or some shit, you know? But there was the Crusades, you know? There, there was the Spanish Inquisition, you know? There's, there's you know, the Catholic job listing skin. I mean, good God, you know? So, organized religion is always has its issues, especially when it gets too structured and there's a certain power hierarchy type thing and various levels of command that people can achieve and power that comes with it and influence and holy shit. Yeah. Should be warnings of said, and there's warnings of that right in the Bible itself, warning against the very things that become, and they happen, you know, overindulgence and power and stuff under the guise of whatever, you know, true faith. It's, uh, it's crazy. So. I don't know. It's a it's a weird time, but I I just I'm holding on to hope we start moving upward and more quickly. Again, it requires a, a faster dissipating of the negative energy, Trumpism, fascism in America, uh, that has been that gained esteem over many years here. It's always been around. There's always been a certain element of our society that was pro-fascism. They're usually called Nazis or Aryan nations. They they take different forms and they're usually kind of a fringe element. We believe in freedom of speech in the society. Those, so those people are able to believe whatever they want. And sometimes they even march in the streets and stuff. If they are not too aggressive and threatening, you just sort of put up with it sometimes here and there. And then you have some sort of opposite, sort of positive energy kind of festival afterward to kind of dissipate that kind of negative shit that you had to be around for a bit. Even though it was just them marching around and spreading their Nazism shit. You don't want to hear it, but, you know, it's freedom of speech. So as long as they're not engaged in action and they're few in number. But, yeah, when the ideology starts growing and they start marching more aggressively, you know, really vocalizing their sentiment, well, yeah, it's going to stir up things. And then when the President of the United States excuses their behavior, it ramps it up even more, you know, and so dissipating that kind of thing is essential. So the more hopeful type thing is the is the more moving in the upward direction. We got to at least stop sinking, and and we got to dissipate the kind of gravity to very clear and obvious negative influences, and, and stop doing that, and at least try to get back to the surface, you know. Do or do not. You know, go upward now, you know. <laughs> so good long one today. It's my day off, so why not? Fuck it. And the world's crazy. So stay safe out there. God bless. This is Gary. Thinking out loud.